You are listening to episode 19 of Owner's Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper, written and read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 43, Welliver Orbital, January 13, 2373. At 14.30, the klaxon sounded. I made another note to get the chief to adjust the level on that. It felt loud enough to be heard on the flea market. I went to the lock and saw Andrew Lehman through the tiny window. Stepping back, I punched the lock open and waited for him at the top of the ramp. Welcome aboard, Dr. Lehman. I waved him aboard and keyed the lock closed as soon as he'd crossed the threshold. Thank you, Captain. He held out a hand and we shook. His eyes went to the empty cargo bay and he pursed his lips. I'm in time, then. To watch the loading, you are indeed. I held a hand indicating the ladder. He took the hint and preceded me up to the main deck where Ms. Maloney waited. Andy, it's so good to see you. Ms. Maloney gave him a warm hug. It was such a shock running into you here. I had no idea you were around. She turned and led him into the galley. I never expected to see you here, either, Chris. I thought you lived over in Diurnia proper. His eyes took in the galley, and he smiled when she handed him a heavy mug full of coffee. Ms. Maloney indicated a seat, and he sank into it while she sat across from him. I resumed my seat and swirled a bit of cold coffee in the bottom of a mug and put it back down without drinking it. We've got a bit of a problem, Dr. Lehman. He interrupted me to say, Andy, or Andrew, if you must, please. Dr. Lehman is my grandfather. He smiled. Okay, Andy, we've got a bit of a problem with transporting passengers. He turned to face me directly, concentrating on my words. We can't do it for two more weeks or so. He cocked his head to one side with a frown. You can't do it? He looked from me to Ms. Maloney and back. Why ever not? Because if we charge for passage, we need to have a licensed steward aboard. I got my endorsement this morning, but the CPJCT, in its wisdom, has ordained we can't actually trade on that endorsement until it has been officially conferred upon me by the appropriate poobahs of propriety. His lips curled in a small smile, and he took a sip of his coffee. So you've got something in mind, Captain. What is it? I can't take paying customers, but I can take guests. Miss Maloney looked at me like I'd just grown another head. "'Guests, Captain?' Dr. Lehman asked. "'Yes, guests. I don't know you, but Ms. Maloney here does, and assures me that you two are long-time acquaintances. If we're inspected on Tenvolt, or even questioned on departure here, you two have a history that could be construed as friendly, and I can legitimately transport you as a guest of Ms. Maloney, who is a member of my crew.' "'Ah, I begin to see. And instead of charging me passage, I'll just tip the ship?' A small gratuity? His tone suggested that he thought this a capital idea, but I sighed and shook my head. Unfortunately, no, Dr. Um, Andy. That would leave a rather embarrassing audit trail, and I wouldn't want to put my license in jeopardy over it. Ms. Maloney leaned into the conversation at that point to ask, Captain, are you suggesting you'll take him for free? I am, Ms. Maloney. I smiled and shrugged at her. And while it's true that I am crazy... There is actually a method in my madness in this instance. I turned back to Dr. Lehman. We're just getting the ship set up to handle passengers. What better way to find out if our service is ready for passengers than to have one and test it? I'd hate to ask for passage under those circumstances. We really do need a test run. I looked back and forth between them. I know it sounds rather pointless, but the fact of the matter is that we're going that way. We've got a cargo, or we will have, and it's yours. You need to get there, and we need somebody who isn't going to be angry if the trip gets a little odd in places. The incremental cost of the ship is whatever you consume while aboard, and it won't be that much. I'm convinced, Captain, Dr. Lehman said with a grin. Good. Just, 
You're a guest, not a passenger. Got it. Guest. Miss Maloney looked at me strangely, but eventually just shook her head and shrugged. I do have a couple of questions, Dr. Lehman said. Go ahead. He turned to Miss Maloney. What's with Maitland? He waved a finger at the name on her ship suit. She looked down at the lettering and then smiled. Christine Maloney is on a grand tour of the Western Annex while she mourns the demise of her late lamented father. For the purposes of our exercise, I'm Catherine Maitland. Ah. As odd as that sounds, it makes sense. I almost didn't recognize you in that buzz cut myself. What's your other question, I asked him. Where's my cargo? I looked at the chronometer and realized it was almost 1,500. Well, let's go see if they're waiting for us on the dock, shall we? I rose and headed down the ladder with Dr. Lehman at my back. We almost made it to the lock before the klaxon sounded. Dr. Lehman jumped about a quarter meter straight up and clapped his hands over his ears. What in the name of... Somebody's at the door, I explained, and punched the lock open. Cold air flooded the lock and cargo deck as the big doors yawned. Delivery, I asked the crew chief. He snorted and grinned. Better be. I ain't taking all this back. Eighty-eight cubes bound for ten volt? Oh, very well. Which one is the pepperoni? He looked at me with the oddest expression. Yes, just bring them in. Double stack against the bulkhead, single stack beside. I lowered the ladder to clear the way for them and then dragged Dr. Lehman out of harm's way. We leaned against the bulkhead and watched the carriers run in with a cube, drop it, lock it, and then run back for another. Eighty-eight cubes took a little less than half a stand to load, and I enjoyed watching Dr. Lehman's face while they worked, probably because I thought he must have looked like I did when I'd watched them load the ship in Diurnia. In the end, we had them adjust the shorter single-height row so that it was closer amidships and evened up the trim. By 1530, the handlers all ran off the ship and disappeared down the dock, leaving the crew chief to accept my signature and thanks. He knuckled his brow. Safe voyage, skipper. With the cargo loaded and the large lock secured, I turned to Dr. Lehman. Well, Andy, I intend to shake the dust off tomorrow afternoon after we finish some routine maintenance tasks. Perhaps you'd like to come along when we leave. He held out his hand. I'd be delighted, Captain. When should I be here? Any time between ten and noon would work. Come aboard for lunch. We'll seal the locks for departure as soon as you're here. I keyed the lock open for him. We'll see you then, Captain. He started down the ramp and turned back. And thank you, Captain. <laughs> Don't thank me yet, Andy. It's still a long walk to Tenvolt. That got a laugh out of him as he stepped off the end of the ramp and headed for the lift. I keyed the lock closed and went in search of my crew. I found them in the galley, having an afternoon coffee. Ah, uh, Miss Arione, I'm glad you've awakened. We have some work to do this evening. She raised a mug in my direction. It's hard to sleep through the klaxon, Skipper, to say nothing of the loading, but I did get a nice little nap before that. We all had a brief chuckle, and I refilled my coffee cup. Chief, you'll have that console up before dinner? I nodded to the one still sitting in the corner. I was a bit miffed it was still there, but shrugged it off as too minor to worry about. Oh, aye, Cap, I'll do that right now while it's fresh in my mind. You know I will. He suited action to words and began unpacking the equipment and running leads. Ms. Arione, we need to find another spacer, somebody who can take Ms. Maloney's place on the bridge. Ms. Arione gave Ms. Maloney a look that I couldn't quite interpret, part question, part accusation. I'm moving Ms. Maloney to steward division. With a passenger aboard, we'll need somebody who will be responsible for getting the meals on schedule and dealing with our guests. I've asked her to do that, and she's agreed, but we're left one hand short on the bridge. Ms. Arione let that information settle for a moment before saying anything. That makes sense, Skipper. I know we talked about having a cook, and this woman can certainly cook. She sipped her coffee with a thoughtful expression on her face. Still, I think I'm going to miss the day after day of sandwiches for lunch. She shot me a wicked grin. 
I clutched my chest dramatically. You wound me, Miss Arione. I stopped clowning when I realized what I was doing and how it might appear to Miss Maloney. Sometimes I'm a bit thoughtless, but she seemed to take it in stride. Once the humor had subsided to a manageable level, Miss Arione asked, Where will we put this new person, Skipper? Funny you should ask that, Miss Arione. What's the difference between your crew compartment and the passenger compartment next to it? She thought for a moment. Bedding in about half a meter of floor space, I think. We have the bedding, and the other has the floor space. What if they had the same floor space, Miss Arione? She looked at Miss Maloney, who was playing very coy and examining her nails. I could see Miss Arione start to think, and she turned back to me, her eyes wide. We can move the partition. We need to putter about with it a bit, but we found one of the pegs while you were napping. Okay, Captain. I guess that solves one problem. Now all we need to do is find a replacement before tomorrow? There is one other little detail we need to deal with before leaving. They looked at me blankly. Bedding. Can you just order more of those sheets and a few more blankets, sir? We've been talking about this, and if we get more of the singles in the same colors, then all the single bunks will have the same, and we can use them interchangeably wherever we need them. Ms. Maloney nodded her agreement. And get the doubles in a different color so it's easier to find them in the pile when we're trying to set up the compartments. I pulled out my tablet and put together the order to the chandlery, asked for a morning delivery. Done. We'll need a few ship suits for the new person, Captain, Ms. Maloney pointed out. When we find one, we'll do that, Ms. Maloney, but first, shall we go see if we can move the partition? We left the chief measuring the bulkhead for the new installation and headed down to the compartment in question. With the three of us working on it, it came together nicely. The extra registration holes all had identical plastic plugs in them. Once we'd identified the right spot to make the two compartments equal size, we pulled out the requisite plugs, released the toggles, and with the two ratings on the far side pushing, the partition slid across the deck after an initial hesitation. When the pegs lined up with the new holes, we reapplied the toggles and locked the partition down, snapping the small covers into place to hide the mechanisms. As a final step, we used the plugs we'd pulled to refill the holes left in the other compartment. This is actually a lot better, Skipper, Miss Arione said. Frankly, it was a bit claustrophobic in here with the both of us. That extra half meter makes a difference. I pointed out where the paint job and the bulkheads didn't match, and they shrugged it off. We got plenty of blue left, Skipper. I can fix that in less than a stand. All right, then. Do you know of anybody on the beach here, Miss Arione? Not offhand, Skipper, but I haven't really been looking. I grimaced. I'm spoiled by having the DST pool to draw from, but I'm out of that loop now. I pulled out my tablet again and fired off an open berth notice for an ordinary spacer to the Union Hall. Let's see if anybody bites. I'd like to run any names by you, Miss Arione. It's a small universe, and I'd like to take advantage of your knowledge of that area. My pleasure, Skipper. I looked back and forth between them. Anything we're missing... Dinner, sir, Miss Arione said. Well, last night in port, either of you want to go ashore to eat? I'm going to stay here in case anybody responds to the notice. They looked at each other and shrugged almost in unison. Miss Maloney said, I should probably go ashore and eat a meal I don't have to cook. I may get tired of it by the time we reach Tenvolt. I'll go with you if that's okay with you, Miss Arione said. Miss Maloney chewed the corner of her lip and said, All right, but not on duty, okay? Miss Arione shrugged and agreed. Okay, are we taking the chief? Miss Maloney got a devilish look on her face and shook her head. I think I'd like to go out without my nanny for once. She turned to me. Captain, would you think us rude if we kicked you out of here so that we can plot in private? Oh, dear, I said. I think I hear my logbook calling. If you'll excuse me, I'll leave you to your preparations. Thank you, Skipper, Miss Arione said with a smirk. I left and went to the galley. The chief was still messing about with the console. 
He'd managed to get the mounting brackets loaded up and found a power outlet, but it still wasn't mounted on the bulkhead. I nodded to him as I refilled my mug and headed to the cabin to work on my logbook. I left the door open so I could keep track of the fun. A few ticks later, Miss Maloney came down to the mess deck and rustled about in the galley for a few moments. I heard her speak to the chief. I couldn't hear what she said, but he responded, Oh, that'd be good. Yes, twould. I could use a little time away before we head out. I was about halfway into my log entry for the day when I heard the lock open and close. Shortly after, Ms. Maloney stood in the open doorway. Yes, Miss Maloney. He's gone ashore, Captain. I've put a pot of soup on to warm for you for later. There's some of the bread left as well. Thank you, Ms. Maloney. Very thoughtful. She paused and then said, Thank you, Captain, before heading down the passage toward her compartment. A few takes later, the two of them, decked out in civvies, came striding back down the passage and stomped at the cabin door. "'We're off, sir. Don't wait up,' Miss Arione said. "'I'll leave a light on the lock for you, Miss Arione.' Miss Maloney gave me an enigmatic smile and inclined her head once before they clattered down the ladder. As the lock opened and closed, I wondered very briefly if I were being irresponsible by letting Miss Maloney go out without her bodyguard. Then I considered the formidable talent Miss Arione possessed and her very interesting collection of cutlery. I chuckled and went back to the log. I looked forward to a quiet evening alone on my own ship. It was an odd feeling. Chapter 44 Welliver Orbital, January 14, 2373 Morning brought several responses to the job posting and a smiling pair of ratings on the mess deck when I went in search of sustenance at 0530. I found my coffee a breakfast of fruit-dressed waffles well in hand, and a bulkhead-mounted console still on the deck where the chief had left it. "'Good morning. You two look like last night might have been successful,' I told them. Ms. Arione smirked behind her mug and winked at Ms. Maloney. "'We had a bit of fun, sir.' I looked back and forth between the two of them before asking, "'Do I want to know?' Ms. Maloney flipped a completed waffle out of the iron and paused before refilling the iron from a pitcher of batter. After a heartbeat of consideration, she shrugged and said, "'Probably not, Captain.' She shot Miss Arione a lopsided grin and resumed her efforts with the waffle-maker. I looked to Miss Arione, who just giggled and shrugged. "'The mysterious process of crew bonding consists of equal parts luck, selection, chemistry, and, as nearly as I could tell, magic. Coming up through the ranks, I could remember several instances in my own experience that helped me create lasting bonds with my shipmates.' instances which I hoped my captain had not known. In that light, I nodded, smiled, and let the matter drop. The console on the deck was a different matter, and it bothered me. I left it for the moment to address the more immediate problem of adding another member to our little family. Quick scans of public records showed a couple of them were obvious discipline problems. One wasn't even a quarter share, let alone the half share I'd asked for in my post. The culled list left three likely candidates— I messaged each to arrange interviews over the morning. Immediate tasks complete, I returned to the galley and the delightful aromas emanating throughout the ship. Over the plates of delicately crisp waffles and sweet fruit, I briefed the ratings on my plans. I've asked each of them to report on the hour, at 08, 09, and 10 hundred hours. We won't have a lot of time to evaluate each before the next one is due, and I'd like you two to help me. Ms. Maloney nodded, and Miss Arione offered an enthusiastic, How can we help, Skipper? I'll interview them here in the galley, Miss Arione, if you'd greet them at the lock and escort them up here. Then I'd like you to get yourself a cup of coffee and sit at that end of the table and observe. 
Aye, aye, sir, can do. Ms. Maloney, I'd like you to serve our candidates, if you'd be so kind. Draw each a mug of coffee and bring it to the table, then putter at the stove or something. I'd like your impressions as well. She gave me a puzzled frown, but nodded. Aye, aye, sir. At the end of the interview, I'll give you a nod, Miss Arione, and when I do, please take your mug, slot it in the washer for cleaning, and stand ready to escort the candidate out. Aye, aye, sir, got it. Thank you both. I nodded to each of them in turn. Is there anything in particular you're looking for? Ms. Maloney asked. I'm less interested in skills than attitudes, Ms. Maloney. I'm looking for somebody who'll fit in more than anything else. They shared a look and nodded agreeably. Speaking of fitting in, I nodded at the empty seat where the chief usually sat. Has either of you seen our chief engineer this morning? I got a chorus of no sar back. I heard the lock and a certain amount of what could have been giggling just after midnight, I said. I assume it was the chief who came in at around 0130. Giggling, sar, Miss Arione asked with a grin. Yes, Miss Arione, giggling. The kind of giggling that made me think that two of my crew were up to some kind of mischief and had perhaps imbibed a bit. I don't remember any giggling. Do you, Miss Arione? Ms. Arione considered briefly, her eyes searching the ceiling as she pondered. I can't say as I do, Ms. Maloney, she replied after a few heartbeats. Are you certain it was us, Captain? I held up a hand in defense. I make no accusations. I merely report what I heard. They grinned again, and I swiveled my chair to look at the tangle of work on the deck. I was about to bust my dirties when I heard a compartment door close and some shambling footfalls in the passage. The chief looked pretty bad. His normal stumping gait was reduced to some half-hearted and tentative steps. His eyes looked like they might start bleeding from the sockets at any moment, and he gave every sign that he might be suffering from an extreme hangover. "'Good morning, Chief,' I called cheerily. It was cruel, I suppose, but the wince that my voice elicited told me my suspicions were probably correct. "'Morning.' Our normally voluble engineer seemed somewhat impaired. I was only marginally sympathetic.' Miss Maloney, on the other hand, pressed her lips tightly together and watched as the chief shambled to the coffee pot, drew a mug, sipped it once, topped it off again, and shambled off the mess deck without another word. I heard a compartment door open and close before relative silence descended again. Well, I said, shall we get on with the morning? I set the example by rising and bussing my dishes before topping off my mug. While the ratings followed suit and began securing the galley, I addressed the console units. In a matter of about five ticks, I finished the bulkhead mounting, connected the big screen, powered it up, and linked the unit to the ship net. A handy power node and a mastic-mounted charging holster for the keyboard made for a tidy installation. I tucked the keyboard into charge while I collected the loose litter of packing materials. At 07.30, while I finished up, the klaxon blared, and I turned to Miss Arione. Either our candidate is exceptionally early, or that's the chandlery order, Miss Arione. Would you see which? Aye, aye, sir. She scampered down the ladder, and I heard the lock open. A tick or so later, she stuck her head in and asked, Where do you want these linen stash, Skipper? Put them in compartment two for now, Miss Arione. Aye, aye, sir. She disappeared back into the passage, and I heard her say, Just down here. I unholstered the keyboard and synced the console to display the bridge readouts. They showed us docked and were not overly interesting, but tested what I needed tested. When I heard the lock open and close again, I went out to find Miss Arione sweeping the lock area. You know, Skipper, we never have cleaned up the entry other than replacing the console over there. She tossed her head in the direction of the unit in question. Something to do on the way to ten-volt, I suppose, Miss Arione? She grinned and nodded. There's always something, isn't there, Skipper? Seems like it, Miss Arione. 
I looked around once more and had to agree with her assessment. It did look pretty bad, and if we were going to be taking on paying customers, that needed to change. Well, our first lucky contestant is able spacer Joseph Branch, Miss Arione. She kept sweeping, but nodded. Aye, aye, sir, Joseph Branch. I returned to the galley to find Miss Maloney beginning to peel and chop vegetables. Miss Maloney, can I ask you a question about your bodyguard? Of course, Captain. She didn't stop working, but nodded to me in acknowledgment. Is he really an engineer? She gave a rueful grimace, but nodded. He is, Captain. But I'm not certain just how good an engineer he is. His last engineering berth was over ten stanniers ago, when he was on the Achilles. Thank you, Miss Maloney. I appreciate the information. Is there a problem, Captain? I don't know, Miss Maloney. I eyed the console on the bulkhead. Perhaps. The klaxon sounded at precisely 0800, and shortly thereafter Mr. Branch followed Miss Arione onto the mess deck. I stood to greet him and offered a seat across the table. Miss Arione and Miss Maloney played their parts, and Mr. Banks thanked Miss Maloney politely before returning his attention to me. He was a nice enough-looking young man. His ship suit was not new, but was clean and free of Irish penance. His buzz cut had been decorated with lightning bolts shaved into the sides of his head, and the edge of a tattoo peeked in and out of view at his collar line as he moved. We had a short discussion of his previous experience, his expectations, and what his next rating exam might be, and other items of general interest for captains and helm watches. By 0820, I had what I needed for an interview. I gave Miss Arione the high sign and stood to shake hands with Mr. Branch. Miss Arione bust her dirty mug, and I saw Mr. Branch take a final sip from his while he watched her. He placed his mug carefully back down on the table. Thank you, Mr. Branch. We're getting underway this afternoon. Would that be a problem? No, Captain. I'm packed and ready to ship out. Well, thank you, Mr. Branch. We'll send notifications by noon. Miss Arione will show you out. He nodded and followed Miss Arione off the mess deck and down the ladder. In a tick, I heard the lock open and close again. Then Miss Arione returned. I stood and, taking his cup along with mine, crossed to the dishwasher. Thoughts? They looked at each other and shrugged. Miss Arione said, Cute butt, kind of bland. The decoration? She made a little zigzaggy motion with her finger along the sides of her head. Pure cheddar. He left his mug, Miss Maloney said, nodding at the table. Miss Arione looked and didn't see it there. Where? Miss Maloney grinned. The captain put it in the rack. Miss Arione frowned in consternation. I didn't notice. Next up, ordinary spacer Percival Herring, I told Miss Arione. Oh, gods, it's not, Miss Arione exclaimed. What mother saddles her kid with a name like that? I eyed her with a wry expression. Oh, I don't know, Miss Arione. I'm rather partial to unusual names myself. She blanched as she realized what she'd said. Uh, sorry, Captain, I... I didn't think. I, that is, you're Captain Wong and not... It's okay, Miss Arione. I grinned at her. My name is strange, and only the fact that I spent my formative years in a university setting where most people had stranger names than Ishmael Horatio Wong kept me from permanent scarring. They both laughed, and Miss Arione headed back down to the lock. At 0855, the klaxon sounded the next contestant in our pick-a-spacer competition, and Miss Arione brought up a wiry little guy in a pale gray jumpsuit. The suit itself had seen better days. Threadbare about the elbows and knees, frayed a bit at the back of the cuffs. The man in the suit seemed barely old enough to have worn it out. He stood barely a meter and a half tall and was one of the few people I'd seen who was shorter than Miss Arione. His most striking feature was his hair. 
even cropped in a spacer buzz that needed a trim. The coppery red color showed clearly. I smiled, offered him a seat, and sat across from him. Miss Maloney brought him his coffee, and he turned quickly, almost startled when she leaned forward to place it on the table. He offered her a friendly smile and held out his hand. Hi, Miss, he looked at her name badge, Maitland, Perk Herring, nice to meet you, and thanks. She smiled back and shook his hand. Catherine Maitland, nice to meet you too, Perk. She released his hand and went back to the galley. After a brief bout of bandinage, wherein Spacer Herring held up his end of the conversation and answered each of my questions politely and succinctly, even modestly, our Mr. Herring actually held able Spacer rank, a fact which showed on his record but which he did not mention until asked. He seemed surprised. Well, Captain, the posting was for an ordinary Spacer. That's what you asked for, so that's what I gave you, sir. I had to admit he made some sense. And when the chrono clicked to 0920, I gave Miss Arione a cue. She bust her mug as I stood and thanked him for coming. He shook my offered hand firmly, and, taking his nearly full mug to the washer, followed Miss Arione's lead by racking it, before following her out of the galley and down the ladder. Miss Maloney gave me a look that was halfway between surprised and intrigued. Interesting test, Captain, she murmured as Miss Arione banged back up the ladder. Mirth lit her face as she burst into the galley. He may be a keeper, Skipper. Why do you say so, Miss Arione? Skipper, you have to ask. Did you see the color of his hair? Indeed I did, Miss Arione. I don't remember seeing red to that precise shade before. You think we should hire him because he's a redhead? Sar, we'd have our own red herring. I groaned. Did you just come up with that, Miss Arione? She shook her head, barely containing her mirth. No, Skipper. He did. He did. She nodded emphatically. He said he'd hoped he'd get the job because every ship needs a little red herring. Then he winked and wished us a safe voyage, regardless of who you chose. It was an odd comment, but one guaranteed to keep his name on our lips a few more ticks after his interview ended. I couldn't help but wonder if he'd recognized Ms. Maloney. So, other than the opportunity for dreadful puns, Miss Arione, your opinion? He made me laugh. He knew his way around. I turned to Miss Maloney. And you? Personable, bright, and energetic, she said, listing off three obvious positive characteristics. But why is he ashore, and why the poor me ship suit? Both. Very good questions, Miss Maloney. Thank you. She nodded, and I turned back to Miss Arione. The next candidate, Abel Spacer Winona Davis. We didn't have as long to wait as we might have expected. The klaxon rang at exactly 0945, and Miss Arione had to scamper down to the lock. She returned with a depressingly proper candidate who stepped onto the mess deck and braced to attention. Sar, Abel Spacer, Winona Davis, reporting, Sar. She was impeccable. From the polished toes of her boots to the carefully buzzed hair, she radiated power and authority. I offered her a seat, and she took it crisply, nodding a polite acknowledgment when Ms. Maloney brought her coffee. I slouched in my chair, and we had a conversation that consisted of me asking questions and her responding crisply with proper and tersely exact answers. By 10.05, I felt exhausted and gave Miss Arione the nod, standing and thanking Miss Davis for coming. Miss Davis stood and shook my hand, ignoring Miss Arione and assuming a stance that was half attention and half ready to move. We stood like that for a few heartbeats while Miss Arione waited at the door to the galley. Call me slow on the uptake, but the pause got awkward before I thought to say, Dismissed, Miss Davis. Miss Arione returned to the galley with a frown on her face. Thoughts, Miss Arione? She grimaced. Well, she was certainly the most proper, 
even impressive. She was impressive, Miss Arione. Even showed up quite properly a quarter stand early. Miss Arione nodded, but still held the troubled frown. Miss Maloney. Miss Davis knows the book, Captain. She does that, Miss Maloney, and demonstrated it quite effectively for us. I knew which one I thought would fit best, but looked at them and asked, Which one do we hire? They both looked thoughtful, and I found Miss Maloney staring at the untouched mug still resting where she'd put it on the table. Miss Arione spoke first. Under normal circumstances, I'd vote for the best butt. We both looked at her, and I think Miss Maloney actually giggled a bit. He's young, competent, has a bit of style, and a nice butt. Not much in the way of personality, but we already have a full load of personalities on this ship. I had to chuckle because she was absolutely correct. I took her word on the butt. But I think he'd be a bit boring, Sar, she finished. I can imagine being cooped up with him on the ship for weeks at a time. The thought isn't pretty. So your vote? I'd vote for Red Herring, Sar. We already have a crazy uncle. Why not add a wacky younger brother? Not the impressive Miss Davis, I asked her. It's cold enough out in the deep dark, Sar. Her answer was a bit bleak, but it fit my thinking as well. Miss Maloney, I turned to her. Of the three of them, Mr. Herring seems like the best fit for the ship, Captain. I can't speak to competence, but he's got the most presence. I think he'd work out well with passengers, too. I nodded and shrugged. We're unanimous, then, but we'd better lay in a supply of tea. Miss Maloney, if you'd recommend some for me, I'll get it ordered. Tea, sir? Miss Arione asked. I think Mr. Herring is a tea drinker. He was just too polite to say so. How can you tell, sir? He sipped the coffee, but didn't actually drink much, if any. It leaves me to suspect that he's not a coffee drinker, but he's been around ships long enough to know how much we love our coffee. He didn't want to draw attention to his perversity, so he just went along. If he doesn't drink coffee, then he probably drinks tea. Even if he doesn't, it seems like something we should have in the galley for passengers. Ms. Maloney looked a bit startled, but nodded. Ms. Maloney, if you'd suggest some teas for me in a bit, I'll make an order for delivery before we get underway. Aye, aye, sir, she said, and pulled out her tablet, making notes. Thank you both. I'll go pass the word to our candidates, and we should probably make up Dr. Lehman's bunk for him. He'll be reporting soon. A chorus of aye, aye, Captain, followed me out of the galley. Thanks for listening to Owner's Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper. Music is Larry O'Gaff, a traditional tune performed by Ragtime Larry and Tom Joad and is used with permission of the artists. You can find this and other works by Ragtime Larry and Tom Joad on the Internet Archive at www.archive.org. This has been a presentation from Dorandis, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 U.S. license. For more information about the book, the author, and the golden age of the Solar Clipper, visit www.solarclipper.com.